from Be Still, Be Free, it's the Bcast with Amber Miller, Sarah Godey, and Monica Steely. For more resources and information related to today's episode, please visit www.bestillbefree.com. Hello and welcome to the Bcast. I am your host, Amber Miller. We have another great show for you today. We are tying up our series, Be Boundless. This has been an incredible series. I've been so blessed by um, all of the words we've brought to the table, and and this is an awesome. This is an awesome week to finish it up. We yeah. did patience and um, abiding. abiding, which was mine. <laughs> abiding. And commitment last week. We did part one of commitment, and we are finishing up today with part two of commitment. Yes. And commitment is way too big of an elephant to it is. one bite. It is. Yeah. And I have Monica Steely. Hi. <laughs> I mean, hello. hello. <laughs> and um, Sarah Cody. Hi. Here with me today in the studio. And, and so, Sarah, let's let's get rolling on commitment. It's All just right. been, last week was amazing. So we're going to wrap it up a little bit today. Um, you know, just to let everybody know, commitment was probably the hardest word that I've had to do the research on. It was, um, like, I really found myself, God, please show me, how do you want me to harness this information and bring it in and um, put it together? And it was, you know, some words are just a little easier to get all the information to put together and some are a little harder, but it really invigorated me studying the whole idea of commitment and going over some of the stats. Like last week, you know, we talked about how many fewer Christians that there's more people saying that they're a Christian, but fewer engaged in the faith, Mm -hmm. which is so weird and crazy to me. It doesn't even make sense. You know, we talked about, you know, denouncing that God was, or Christ was the son of God, a perfect son of God, not just a good son of man and um, so forth. But we really, we talked about a few definitions. And so I want to just go through those definitions again, just to kind of recap and reintroduce everybody to the idea of being committed. Um, A commitment is an engagement or an obligation that restricts freedom of action. Again, restricts that freedom of action. The Urban Dictionary, and this is probably our favorite, commitment is what Mm -hmm. transforms the promise into reality. It is the words that speak boldly of your intentions and the actions which speak louder than words. It is making the time when there is none, coming through time after time after time, year after year after year. Commitment is the stuff character is made up. The power to change the face of things, it is the daily triumph of integrity over skepticism. Mm. Love it. I just love it. And, you know, I would just say, like, you, you talk, it talks here about commitments, the stuff character is made of. I mean, if there's things that you're having a hard time being committed to right now, not even talk about marriage, just talking about easy things. We were talking about the ball field or, you know, whatever you're doing or us Sunday in Sunday school, school class. class. <laughs> right. Um, just persevere. Abide in Christ in that time, even though it's uncomfortable and you're maybe learning that that's something you should have totally not committed to. Right. Abide in Him until He provides that way out. Yep. Don't don't break the commitment, right. because in breaking the commitment, you are tainting your character, and by tainting your character, yeah. you're tainting your testimony of Christ. Right. That's that's how it all transitions. That's how it all one thing leads to another. It's yep. cause and effect. It's not just. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. There's, you're always choosing to cheat. Every decision, Andy Stanley has a whole series on this, and I would encourage anybody to listen to that series. It is so great. Every decision you make in life is choosing to cheat something else. Mm. It can be a good cheat. 
Right. Right. You have to go to work. You're cheating not to be with your family in that moment, but you're cheating them because you need to go make money and provide for them. That's right. a good cheat. That's yeah. an okay cheat. But there are a lot of things that are bad cheats. And so just understand what your actions have consequences, good or yeah. bad, on a situation. Um, we thought today we'd get into the Bible verses because we don't want to just be heavy statistics and definitions. You know us. We've always got to kind of lace it up with some truth. Bring it back to the Word, Bring Sarah. it back to the Word, <laughs> sister. And I could preach it now, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, you could. I could. Greg and I were getting going last night, man. I thought I was I know, about I to I just break. had to like, sit back because they had it all taken care of. I was oh. like, oh, well, I, I, got all, I got all crazy. Christine Kane is like one of my favorite new people. I, know. I was introduced to her I through the If her. Gathering. Yeah. And she can breach it. Um, she is so awesome. bold, and I could listen to that stuff all day long. So, we're going to talk about two different kinds of being committed. If you remember last week, we talked about a Hebrew root, galal, G A L A L, which means to roll, like as to roll away or heap, can also mean to trust. So, we're going to talk about that kind of committing first. Um, so, the roll away or heap our troubles weighs unto the Lord. Proverbs 16 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and thy thoughts shall be established. 1 Peter 5 7, yes, by the love of God, our reproach is rolled away, but we must respond by rolling our cares upon him in genuine trust. Mm, that, that beautiful, beautiful, and usually I write down what my translation is and I don't have it here. So I'm going to read it one more time. Yes, by the love of God, our reproach is rolled away, but we must respond by rolling our cares upon him in genuine trust. So he wow. didn't just die on the cross for us to try to live life on our own. Right. He died on the cross so that we could have a one-on-one relationship with he and God and roll everything upon them. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, too, the verse that says, commit your ways into the Lord. Because Mm -hmm. I would have, you know, like, I know that we make our plans, the Lord directs our steps. Mm -hmm. But I would never have considered my plans as a burden that I would need to roll off. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because, like, I'm very, like, I'm participatory with the Lord. And, you know, I'll I'll let him direct me. But I do want to be logical and have my plan and be prepared and... But in that definition of rolling it off and like heaping it onto him in my mind makes me see that it's maybe a burden for me to even be carrying yes. it when oh, I never yeah. thought about it as a burden. Do you sure. ever do you ever get those situations where you just feel light, like something was just lifted off of your chest? Yeah. Like we're sitting here talking about that and I feel that way just thinking yeah. about um, just even our plans, our ways, our 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 choices, just give them to God because mm-hmm. he knows Satan is going to be nipping at us, and he knows that we're going to need him. And in my opinion, it's kind of like the, hey, just bring it to me to begin with so that I can go ahead and have it, and we can already be abiding with one another, and I can already be imparting wisdom into you so that when tough times come, you're going to be prepared for that. Right. Instead of coming to me once the tough times come and wanting me to fix it, you will have given me the opportunity to prepare you for those tough times. It's flip-flop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the cart before the horse. We yeah. want to do, 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 and then when we need God, go to him. Right. Instead of go to him from the get-go so he can prepare us for our time of need. Right. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. It's um, preventative, not just medicinal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, it is, it is. It's the, it's the protection factor. Right. He knows that we need his protection. We, he knows that we need his care and his help. And so he's saying, bring it to me to begin with. Right. Bring it all to me, casting all your cares upon me. Right. Because I can handle it and I can get you ready for when it really hits hard. You know, in um, committing your, cast your cares on me, 
I always thought of it as the stuff that I'm anxious You're worried about. or worried about. Right. Not even, not the good things or the things that I'm like working on. But like you for, still care about them. But I still do care about mm-hmm. them. But for some reason, I always had that negative <clears throat> connotation and I'm very glass half full. So it's interesting that right. I've only ever heard it that one way. Well, it's probably, yeah, this the is only the way it's ever been taught. Well, it's right. the big God concept, right? But God's so big and he doesn't have time for you. But when you're in trouble, go to him and yeah. he will direct your paths. No, like... God is our friend. Jesus is our friend. He calls us his friend. Mm -hmm. Do you wait to go to your friend when bad things happen? You go to your friend all the time. You talk to your friend about the choices you're going to make, the outfits that you're wearing, how you feel about yourself. That's what he's there for. And he can prepare us so much better than any fleshly friend ever could. Mm -hmm. He might use fleshly friends. But he can do it better than anybody can. Yeah. So I kind of thought that the, the rolling away of or heaping upon is kind of the very core of being still and knowing that he is God. Right. Heap it onto him, roll it onto him, and let him carry our burdens because we're being still in him. And through that, what are we getting? Freedom. Right. Freedom. Because yeah. we don't have to carry it. Exactly. That's the freedom part. But right. if we're carrying it. Until we have a problem, we don't have that freedom. Yeah. And that's just our our decision. That's our choice, what we're going to do with that. So the second kind of commitment is commitment to the obedience of his calling. This is a little bit different. This is a little more of a doer, not just a beer. Mm -hmm. But if you are not committed to, if you're not being committed to him and his cause, then we're going to be ineffective in carrying out the testimony of Christ and being the hands and feet because we're doing it in our own will. We're doing it in our own way. And what happens when we do that? We fall flat on our feet. You give up, walk away. You do. You walk away. You give in. So just want to break this down to a few things. 1 Kings 8, 61 says, And may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands. As at this time. So he's saying, hey, listen, fully committed, you're obeying my commands. Not you're believing in me. Not um, do what whatever feels good. It is you're going to obey my commands. So there's a little bit of a do here, right? Now we're mm-hmm. going to be held a little bit responsible and accountable for, for what we're doing. Showing our level of commitment to God. Right. If we're truly being committed to God. And it's not doing them. So that it makes him proud of us. It's not doing it because he'll love us more if we do. It's not doing the commandments so that we can feel better about ourselves. It's doing the, it's obeying the commandments because we love him so much. We're so committed to him. We want to be no other way because we know the effect it has on the testimony. Does that make sense? It's the fruit. It's the yeah. fruit. Not, not the treasures that we're going to get. The fruit that we're going to show. Um, in John thirteen thirty five, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So, First Kings, Old Testament, pre-death of Christ on the cross, pre-resurrection, right? So, we've got commandments. We've got the law. Yeah. Now, we only have one commandment. Because this is post-resurrection, post-death of the cross, post-Christ on the earth, right? And what is the one command he says to give, or he gives us? Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord. Then he says the second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so love God, loving others. We're We're obeying his commands, 
by loving God and loving others, which in turn shows our level of commitment to him. So if you're not loving God and you're not loving others, the way that he has blueprinted in the Bible, not the way we feel like, but the way he's blueprinted, then we are breaking our level of commitment to him. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty big. It all goes back to love. If there is no proof of loving God or loving others, then really there's no proof of your commitment. So how will others know that you are truly a disciple? They won't. They won't. And so your effectiveness as a disciple, as a a evangelist, as a testimony of Christ, and you may be like, well, I don't, I'm I'm not an evangelist. I don't have the words. Remember our actions speak louder than our words. Urban dictionary says, um, the actions which speak louder than words. Wasn't it St. Francis of Assisi that said, preach Christ always use words when necessary. Ooh, I love that. It's something right along those lines. Like, preach him always. It's basically saying that same thing. Do it by what you do. Say as words only when you need to. Say as little as possible. Because the mouth will get you into trouble every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Okay, so next, James 5.12. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. And I thought it was important to, to bring out this verse because commitment is, hey, I've said yes to something or I've said no to something. And how many times are we saying yes and then backing out or saying no and backing out? And how many times do you find yourself, you know, please, I promise by the hair of my chinny chin chin, you know, I'll give you this if you'll just say yes or whatever. We bribes and promises and swears. Or, you know, and, I know that I wasn't committed last time, but I'm really going to be committed this right. time. Yes. Or, or even as kids, you hear them swear on your mother's back, you know, swear, swear on whatever, like don't break whatever. Yeah. I mean, we were always in your, in your mom would be like, we don't swear, you know, yes. <laughs> exactly. we don't swear. Yes. Or, I promise. Right. I swear to God, you know, we don't swear. Um, we shouldn't have to. Because if we truly lived out a life of commitment and had that character and that integrity that went with that commitment and people could trust our character and our integrity, remember it's trust, right? Being, being committed is like a trust factor. Then our yes would be yes, our nay would be nay, and we would not have to have anything else with it. And I think that is so valuable that God tells us that in James, you should not need to make promises or swears or anything else in order to get people to believe you. If our yes or our no is not trusted, we have broken that trust somewhere and we've made others skeptical of us or broken our pledge of loyalty. Remember, what is committed? It's loyalty. Yeah. It's it, and again, Urban Dictionary. It is the daily triumph of integrity over skepticism. So, if someone has to be skeptical of us, then we've broken our integrity somewhere. Right. That's a lack of commitment. Right. Does that tra- does that track? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, working in the, in the church world for eleven, twelve years, you know, you definitely see that. Like, well. You know, can't trust so-and-so, can't rely on so-and-so. Yeah. Whether that be volunteers, congregation members, staff members, pastors, whatever. That's right. It, yeah, I see that a lot. And, and and the thing is, is that we are hurting the testimony of Christ by doing that. You can say it's no big deal. I'm just, I'm just not working in the nursery today. But you told somebody you would. You promised that you would. You put your word on it. Mm-hmm. That matters. Mm-hmm. God and Christ do not break their promises to us. We should not break our promises to other people. Mm. And they don't even have to bother saying, I swear or I promise, because they demonstrated it through action. That's right. You know, one of my desires, like when I die, I want it to be said of me, she was authentically honest. 
like I gave my word. If I said you knew that when I was speaking it, I was meaning it. And if I break it, I would apologize and take ownership of it, mm-hmm. not blame it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. I would take ownership of it. I, I just want people to know that about me. Yeah. And I think that we need to get back to a thing where people can trust us. Yeah. And there's something to be said for like saying no mm-hmm. to yeah. stuff. It's okay like, to say no. It's okay to say no. Like, I mean, I, like I want to be someone that like, if someone comes to me and asks me to do something and I say yes to it, they're like, I know she'll be committed. She said no to me for other stuff because she couldn't be committed. And people will make you feel bad for it, too. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. They'll make you feel bad. You know, when I was going through my initial be still moment, God had kind of just, I've talked about this before, just called me out of everything and even called me out of ministry. And people, Mm -hmm. you know, I I had a lady who was a minister of women at a church, and she said nowhere in the Bible did she find that God called women to put their family over ministry. And I totally disagreed with that. Totally disagreed with that. Um, You know, it's okay if God has called you out of something for a season. You don't owe anybody else an explanation. You don't need to feel bad about it. If you're not getting those accolades from people telling you a good job, don't you worry about it, sister. Mm -hmm. You're obeying Christ. Mm -hmm. You got all the accolades you need. Right. Mm-hmm. He will give you peace that passes all understanding. It may not make a bit of sense to anybody else, but you know what? You're not going to stand in front of anybody else in the judgment seat of Christ. Right. You're going to stand before God, and he's going to look at you and say, good job. Right. You were obedient. You abided in me in that moment. You listened to me tearing on your heart. Right. Whether those people got it or not, people are going to judge. People are going to be, there's always going to be that person. But you just stand firm in what you know God is calling you to do. Yeah. Um, and then in Revelations 3.15, I know you inside and out. I find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Woohoo! Is that Dang. crazy? Okay, so <laughs> I forgot that vomit part. No, was in there. So Laodicea was a banking center. The, the city of Laodicea was a banking center in a textile town. And so was they were fairly wealthy. The church's crime was that it failed to find in Christ the sources of all true wealth, splendor, and vision. It is a situation of which we can relate to all too easily today living in, um, in, in Sydney. This was a person who lives in Australia. So being lukewarm is akin to comfortable Christianity. One in which we think we are rich and prosperous and need nothing but fail to realize that we are wretched, um, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. It is this type of Christianity that causes Jesus to say that he wants to spit us out of his mouth. Mm. And God's counsel to us in Revelation 3.19 where he says to Laodicea, I'm sorry, Laodicea and to us, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Lukewarm Christianity is one that has lost its sense of being zealous. Mm. Paul actually tells us in Romans something similar. Never be lacking in zeal, Mm -hmm. but keep your spiritual fervor Mm -hmm. serving the Lord. I heard Beth Moore talk about that one time, you know, our BFF. Our BFF Beth. (laughs) Um, And she had talked about how people have kind of criticized her from time to time like she's been in ministry for like 20 30 years and she's but she's still just as passionate today as she was before and she's like do not let anyone take your zeal that is yours and if you lose it that's your problem your problem but do not let people take that from you you get to keep that from start to finish yes and if that starts waning you need to you're the one that needs to go back and like reevaluate where you're and what happens is we become and it's satan realize we do not wrestle with flesh and blood we wrestle with principalities Okay, we wrestle with Satan. He starts this little 
cycle of lies. And, yeah. and what he does is he takes our focus, our zeal off of God and the cause of Christ and he puts it on other things. It could be a marriage. It could be a family. It could be a career. It could be money. It could be our figure. It could be anything. We become so zealous about those other things that we've lost our zeal for true Christianity. Yeah. You know, we walk the walk. We talk the talk. But we aren't really zealous about it. We're not passionate yeah. about it. If we could redefine our, 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 our commitment to our passion to Christ more than we are our passion to ourselves, man, this world would be transformed. It'd be absolutely transformed. A couple other things I just want to leave with you. Um, this was one of the quotes that I found. But the greatest incentive to complete commitment to Jesus Christ is in response to his love shown ultimately in his death for us. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So, you know, even when it's tough, our incentive for commitment should just be our appreciation for Christ's death on the cross, mm, yeah. for his ultimate commitment for us, that we don't have to burn forever in hell. Hell is real. I don't care what anybody's telling you. It's real. And err on the side of what if it is real over what if it's not real? Because, <laughs> listen, I'd rather err on that side than on the right. other side. Um, but I don't want you to do it just because you're trying to be safe. But it is very real, and, and we should do what we do because we love him so much because he's given us eternal life. We're going to walk with him forever in heaven, forever. And that's so hard for our minds to wrap around that concept. What is a little suffering on earth? Whatever your situation is, whether it's your job or your marriage or kids that have walked away from God or, you know, I don't know what you're struggling with with your commitment level today. Mm-hmm. But whatever God is doing in and through you, abide in him and allow him to transform you from the inside out. Don't quit your commitment. Mm -hmm. Don't taint your character. Don't taint your integrity. Don't taint your testimony. Be strong and of good courage and stand in him. Um, And I'm just going to leave with this. By abandoning commitment, this is Chuck Colson. By abandoning commitment, our narcissistic culture has lost the one thing it desperately seeks, happiness which is so true, right? Right. We are jumping from thing to thing looking mm-hmm. for happiness oh, yeah. because, and by doing that, we've abandoned commitment without commitment. Our individual lives will be barren and sterile without commitment. Our lives will lack meaning and purpose. After all, if nothing is worth dying for the anthem of the sixties, anti-war protesters, then nothing is worth living for. Jesus had no purpose in living if he wasn't going to die. His life here on earth had no purpose if it wasn't for his death. Mm -hmm. But with commitment comes the flourishing of society, of calling, of marriage, of the church, and of our hearts. It's the paradox Jesus so often shared when he bid us to come and die that we might truly live. You know, I would add to that, too. It said jumping from thing to thing, and I I would add to that even jumping from church to church. Mm -hmm. And I... um, when I was single, I found a church that I really liked, but it took me two years to become an official member because as I grew, when I grew up, we attended the same church, but we never became members. And so like membership just wasn't a thing that I really understood or got. Yeah. And when I was um, a single at this church, it took me a couple of years and I finally decided like, I want to become a member. And of course, you know, shortly thereafter, some things started to happen and some issues. And I was like, I think I just need to go find another church. That's what all the singles do. You just jump from church to church right. to church. It's not just singles. Right. It's a, right. But then that's what that's I was what, seeing. Right. 
And um, God challenged me big time and was like, you made a commitment to this church. Like, in my eyes, I see that as a marriage. Mm -hmm. You can't just walk because you don't feel good. And you can't just lead because you're not happy with what's going on. Like, there's no major issues against me that are that's right. driving this. Right. It's just how you feel about some things. And so and that was a, so that was true. a big challenge to me in my 20s of what a commitment looks like. Like well, I had what made did that Gary decision. and Greg were saying last night in church about in something you were never in it. Nine out of ten people that leave the church were never there to begin with. Mm. And I think that is that is applicable to everything. Mm-hmm. Nine out of ten people who leave their job. Nine out of ten people who leave their marriage. Nine out of ten people yeah. who leave their children. Nine right. out of ten people who leave their who walk away career. from the faith. Nine out of ten people who walk away from their faith. That's exactly right. Where they, you know, we've really talked about there are a lot of people who write books and are preachers and teachers and bloggers and speakers and everything. And then one day they've decided they're not, they're not really going to believe part of the body. They're not going to believe what they've been preached before. Were they ever really in it? And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you can point your finger at a lot of people. The idea here though is introspective, right? It's your commitment. Be honest to you. Be honest to God. Like, I'm telling you, redefine what commitment is to you. And and that's, you know, just practical application. It, 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 this is so important. We've got to have some practical application. Choose something that you are struggling with, something that you continue to hold on to, you need control of. Um, for women, boy, we have a need to control our husbands, to control our, our children. Um, and then roll it over and heap it onto God. Verbalize it, write it down, journal it, ask someone to hold you accountable. Keep all of your ways, all of your cares, all of your woes onto mm. Jesus. Mm. He can handle that. Yeah. And boy, you will just have that, like, had a, a ton of bricks just cut loose from you feeling. Right. Cause it's so liberating. And then take a look at your life and ask yourself if you are the vision of a committed Christian or not. Just mm. be real. And you can't change the things you've done in the past, okay? Right. And Jesus is a, right. a forgiver. He throws things out from as far east as the, is from the west. Like, we don't need to re, revisit the things of our past. Transformation from here, yeah. right now, moving forward. Now right. you've got some tools about what commitment looks like. Use it. Um, when you give your word, do you keep it? Would people around you know that you are different in a good way? Are you hot, cold, lukewarm? Find a friend, a family member, a spouse, and just have it. Hey, I need some self-reflection. I need you to give me some answers. And they may not be easy answers, but I need to hear them. I, yeah. need, to, I need to have a, a temperature, a gauge on where I am. Um, again, just remember that if we are being committed, then it is our love for God, our dedication, our promise, our pledge of loyalty, our character, and our integrity that lets our yes be yes or our no be no and helps us to be hot or cold. Mm. What a beautiful way to tie off this amazing yeah. series of being boundless. Thank you so much for bringing that word today, Sarah. That's so awesome. And that gives us a lot to think about. It is a know, lot of yeah. this week. <laughs> um, Monica, would you close us out in prayer today? Father God, I just pray that you will help us all be boundless. Help us to be patient, to be abiding, and to be committed. Show us how to be those things so that we may be those things to other people. We love you so much. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Beecast. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook. Just search Be Still Be Free. And of course, check out our website, www.bestillbefree.com.